Welcome to Witch Hunt, the podcast that brings you news from the front lines of the struggle against modern-day witch hunts. I'm Josh Hutchinson. And I'm Sarah Jack. Modern-day witch hunts, also known as harmful practices related to accusations of witchcraft and ritual attacks, are human rights abuses perpetrated against those believed to be witches or sorcerers. These abuses include physical and emotional attacks leading to injury and even death. Survivors are frequently traumatized by the harrowing experience of being accused of witchcraft. In Ghana, witch hunt refugees flee to so-called witch camps. These camps are for people banished from their communities following witchcraft accusations. Living conditions in the camps are deplorable and the residents destitute. However, Concern is developing among advocates and within sectors of the national government in regard to the conditions at the camps and the future of the witch hunt victims. One recent development has been on-site mental health intervention to address the victim's trauma. This effort involved physicians from the Total Life Enhancement Center, TOLIC, a mental health facility located in northern region capital Tamale and led by Executive Director Peter Minter Amadou. We hung on every word in our engaging interview with Mr. Amadou, and we know that you will too. In this episode, you will learn about the challenges faced by the victims of witchcraft accusation-related violence. And about some different treatment methods being employed by TOLEC. We are delighted to introduce Peter Minter Amadou, Executive Director of the Total Life Enhancement Center in Ghana and a leading figure in mental health. A licensed clinical health psychologist and university lecturer, Peter is pivotal in advancing mental health services in northern Ghana. He advocates for mental health across multiple platforms. He mentors youth, and his work focuses on youth and maternal mental health issues. As chairman of the Ghana Psychological Association's Northern Sector, Peter's commitment extends to providing consultation and training. My name is Peter Mentor Amadou. My background is clinical health psychologist. I'm a lecturer at the University for Development Studies. The University for Development Studies, the premier university in the north. The northern part of Ghana has about five regions, and it was the very first university in the north. I am affiliated to the Tamale Teaching Hospital, of which I do clinical health uh, psychologist, consulting the internal medicine eventually for the entire hospital. As it stands now, I'm just among uh, two other psychologists that operate within the Tamale Teaching Hospital as a tertiary and a referral facility. Come to initiatives, what have I initiated as a person? You got me through an organization called Total Life Enhancement Center. That is my initiative. I just felt that as a people, we didn't do so much regarding mental health. And in 2017, I established this organization with a lot of young ones around me. So I founded the organization and I lead it at the civil society space where we advocate for mental health in schools, radio, and in the communities. So Total Life Enhancement Center is a psychology-focused organization and the first private psychology clinic in the entire Northern Ghana. I've mentioned that Northern Ghana has five regions, administrative regions. My second initiative has been in the area of mental health advocacy. 
So in schools, radio, community, religious organization, and uh, CSOs, health facilities, and corporate organizations are places where my services and my skill and my passion have actually driven me to. What have I supported? I've tried to be a mentor to a lot of young ones in the mental health space who are seeking to appreciate what mental health is and understand it. So basic senior high school and then the tertiary level. What are my research interests? I really have great interest in the area of youth and maternal mental health. That's my area of interest. And recently, an article entitled Drug Abuse Among the Youth of Northern Region, The Realities of Our Time. And that is really taking a lot of shape in the academic space. What's my passion? What has been driving me as a person over the period? I must admit, to make available mental health services to my people has been my passion. And also to make greatly available psychological services to our operational areas. I have played different roles as a person over the period of time in the North. I have been in the Ghana Health Service over two decades. And so I've worked as the chairman of the Ghana Psychological Association, members in the Northern sector, psychologists to CSOs in the Northern region of Ghana, and a service provider to a lot of organizations. And so in brief, this is what I will say who Peter Mentor Amado is. What more can you tell us about the Total Life Enhancement Center? Yes. Total Life Enhancement Center Ghana is an organization with a primary focus in psychology. So the abbreviation is T-O-L-E-C-G-H, and we call it TOLEC. TOLEC is dedicated to the promotion and advocacy towards improving psychological work. We say that TOLEC is an organization that provides mental health and psychosocial support services. And our vision is to be a center that employs the biopsychosocial and the scientist practitioner approach to delivering comprehensive assessment and health promotion services. The vision of TOLEC is to be a center dedicated to advocating for and delivering holistic health solution through both local and external competent methods to our clients. This approach is aimed at enhancing psychological well-being, thereby fostering increased productivity and development. What's our mandate? Our mandate as an organization is to enhance the allocation of psychological resources to benefit society through our contribution. TOLEC operates in six thematic areas, mental health advocacy, psychological service provision, counseling services, emotional intelligence and management, livelihood empowerment or capacity building, and mental health research. TOLEC is currently located in the northern regional capital, Tamale, in the Sanarabu municipality. So this is a little, I will say, about TOLEC. And TOLEC, as a psychology clinic and a service provider, have been in the advocacy space since 2018. And we have done advocacy in schools, radios, communities, and corporate organizations. And we currently stand as among one of the 
very best mental health service organizations in Northern Ghana. Even they want to come to the issues of psychological services. We are the first in the entire Northern part of Ghana to provide psychological services. So this is the bit I would say about Total Life Enhancement Center, Ghana, Tule. I found your center online when I was doing some research around some alleged witchcraft violence. And I saw that you have an initiative to support women who have been in witch camps. Is that one of your outreaches at your facility? Yes, please. It's one of the outreaches we have uh, undertaken in the recent past. We have been involved in giving some support to a number of women. In uh, 2020, and I, I was part of a group of organizations. Tolek was part of a group of organizations that rolled out a number of activities. But the focus at that was with health workers in the districts that hosted this alleged witch camps. Last year, we took this initiative, and this initiative was supported by the Commission of Human Rights and Administrative Justice, Raj. And they actually partnered us, basically supported almost every bit of the logistical bit of it to go provide, because they came to us. We have been to these women. We have done the normal physical examinations with them. We provided medication. But there's an aspect that has never been talked about. But your organization seems to be unique. Do you want to do something with this? I said, why not? It is an opportunity we have all been looking out. So they said, okay, get out there and uh, pack your bag and baggage and go to four districts in the north and perform these particular activities for us. So I immediately have to put in place a group of psychologists that was a counseling psychologist, health psychologist, and clinical psychologist and clinical health psychologist. They where the people are rallied behind Tolbeck. Then we took up this mantle and we spent a little over two weeks engaging these women at the alleged witch camps. And so our intervention was the first of its kind in the area of mental health because people are born in there but not with assessment in the area of psychology. So we went in there doing psychological assessment. And what we basically did was to use a particular psychological tool we call DAS, Depression, Anxiety, and Stress Skill, that is well utilized. And also, and trying to look at the, some level of distress, psychological distress among these women. So after administering these tools, we found data that was very interesting. Data that was very, at a point, if not from my background as a professional, very scared. Scary in the sense that a lot of them who have stayed in their years, decades, have nobody to look out. No shelter, no food, no health care. And in most of the places, they live in very deplorable states. I, I possibly would delve deeper into this, but let me say that our, that was quite revealing for us. Because when it came to the issues of depression, we were quite interested. And we realized that even though after administering the psychological tools, which I must admit, we went in there to do an assessment for just around 300 women. We ended up doing a little over 350 women, wow. alleged witches. And this was carried out 
in four districts in Ghana. And those four districts, three of them are found in the northern region. Then one is found in the northeast region of, of Ghana. And the three found in the northern region of Ghana are the Patina alleged witch camp, which is found in the Kushebu municipal district. Then we had the Kukwo witch camp, which is found in the Nanumba south. And then we had the Ngani alleged witch camp, which is found in the Yendi municipality. Yendi is called our traditional capital. Yendi seats the overlord of our region. Call it, I mean, we call it the, the, the overlord of Dabo. And so the permanent chief of the northern region sits in Yendi. And in his district also is where we find the Nani alleged witch camp. So these three are found in northern region. Then in the northeast region is found the Gambaga alleged witch camp. And Gambaga is one administrative district a colonial administrative district. In the colonial era, Gambaga was one of the, I mean, renowned districts that governed Northern region. So in the colonial era, they had more of Gambaga than even Tamale, where, which is now well pronounced. So what did we find among the 335 women? In terms of psychological distress, we had 70. 3% of our respondents, that's a little around 247 participants, who were assessed to have high level of psychological distress. Depression, we assess among this group as 61% of the participants. Anxiety was around 72%. And the issues of stress-related was around 38%. So this was what we found at the alleged witch camps where we were supported by the Commission on Human Rights and Administrative Justice to do an assessment and provide intervention. So this was the assessment, what we found among. Many people have come to know very well that when it comes to the issues of uh, alleged witches or witchcraft accusations, a lot of organizations have often put their energies around the physical bit of it. And two, three years ago, we had the experience of a woman, an old woman who was allegedly accused and beaten to death. And that actually triggered a lot of conversation in the Ghanaian media space regarding the issues of alleged witches. What can we do? And that actually initiated the legislation in the Ghanaian parliament, which is almost at the verge of completion, where accusation of alleged witchcraft will become criminal in the Ghanaian laws. As these have been things that we have finding as from our research as a professional and leading this institution towards the provision of psychological assessment and intervention. I will take the intervention bit, but I'm sure you may want to ask a bit questions regarding this. I'm amazed at what you are tackling for your community. Thank you. At this point, do you have plans to return to do more intervention with these women? 
Yes, we have a lot of plans towards engaging FEDA with these women. But what, after our assessment, so the intervention, but what we did, we, after we collected the psychological assessment and found this, what we did was to put the women in group therapy. So we first of all put them in groups and our psychologists engaged them in a different level, providing. And then we also went further to then provide individual intervention because in the group, let me mention that in our country and in the space of sub-Saharan Africa, issues of mental health and psychotherapy, not well appreciated. We went on, people can be in the groups and may not talk. So after engaging them at the group level, we decided to also open an opportunity for a number of the women to go talk to the psychologists on one on one basis. And we basically spent, for logistical six, we spent two days in every community. We wish we did more, but the logistics were our challenge. So after providing that, we came back and we provided a report to the Commission of Human Rights and Administrative Justice. On our part as an organization, what we have been thinking is, we know psychological therapy will not yield results overnight. And if it will not yield results overnight, what else do we need to do? We began this year with some more planning as to what is it that we can go back to the community. But the numbers are huge. Yeah. The numbers are huge. Even when we got in there and the idea was to do 300, we ended up doing 300 plus. And even doing 350, I mean, 35, was just because we were running out of the logistics that were being provided. If yeah. we had stayed in there, we would have seen closer to 500 teams. And that tells us that the numbers are there. And the idea is to, from this year, to see how we can at least either every six months, if we have the resources, or every quarter to go back there, provide an intervention. But first of all, I often have said that uh, the issues of mental health cannot be talked to people in, in call it hungry stomachs. The belly is not full. They are not going to listen. So our idea has, how can we then go back to them with the picnic style of therapy, where we are dining with them and providing therapy, letting them understand that, yes, you are here. The challenges are there, but don't give up. Life still means a lot for you. So we are still mobilizing the resources and pushing at our own level to see how we can go back, provide 335 that we have already seen and extend that therapy beyond the individuals. And the idea has always been to also reach out to the communities. These four communities in which these alleged which, uh, camps are situated, they need support. They need mental health education. They need psychotherapy themselves and they need capacity building because when they have it, these women can be supported because a number of the women listening to them said that anytime at all we are troubled, those who, are, who come to our help are the chiefs, the community leaders, the assembly members. But these are people who are in great but barely doing minimal farming. So when they have it, it becomes insufficient even for their own family. Let's talk of supporting another family. So building their capacity, providing agri-related support for them so that they can be able to till the land enough to also feed these women. And we have been thinking of also partnering with other organizations 
Because a number of organizations are in the area of supporting women. A lot of them are shining away from the support for these vulnerable women who just allegation. Yeah. There is no substance in it. Culture, religion, superstition. Then they push them there. Because I keep asking the question, how come we don't have very elite members of our society, their mothers in these alleged witchcrafts? But the poor women that have nobody to defend, the poor women that have, women that have nobody to talk for are those who are always accused and put in there and hung. Lack of shelter, water, paper, I mean, uh, sanitary condition becomes a challenge for these women. Yeah. So we really have intention of going back, but we hope we can go back there in another style where we can be able to dine and feast with them and provide therapy. Stay there a bit longer than two, three days. Is yeah. the target well? Clearly, it was a significant event that your team was able to go and engage in these camps and collect this significant data. And then I can see how it would also be a very big effort for you to use that data to get support to move forward in the program. Yes, yeah, so we, we are currently trying to document a bit around this. And we have actually done a little around social media publication, working a bit to see how we can publish this in academic journal so that we can be able to tell the story. Yeah. We are still hoping that the district assembly the government, the region, and then well-meaning individuals will come yeah. to our aid so that we can go back there and provide enough. But this data really is something I know we can use and yeah. make an impact in society. Am I understanding that right now the president has not signed the legislation on these witch camps? If he does close them, how does that impact these communities? Thank you. You, you are right. I think currently the advocacy in the civil society space is to get the president sent to this bill and make it law. And uh, we're hoping that uh, this will happen before his uh, tenure of office, which is just in seventh uh, January, uh, come next year. Uh, if that so happens, we know that uh, that will create another huge need for our people. But the refreshing part of it is that uh, engaging these women, a good number of them are willing to go back to the communities. So reintegration should be the plan for, so that in the event where these camps are closed, where can they go back? Go back to their communities, go back to their families, and the communities need to be sensitized. The communities need to be engaged. And so it means advocacy needs to get to the community to understand that these women are just like your mothers. These women are just like those women you have at home who could be wives, sisters, aunties, grandma. And all that we can give them at this moment is to say that you have been with us and it is a difficult moment that probably you have nobody to support you the way you would have wished. But we are here as a community and we are hoping that we can be able to provide because of the desire of a number of them to go back to their communities. A law comes into force and these communities dissolve, what it means is a good number will be more ready to go back 
have people to accept them. The few that have no support, we can look for a reintegrative process where we can engage chiefs, leaders, assembly members to see how they can absorb them. Already, some of the camps have become like towns, have become like big communities. So the women are already very comfortable. A good number of them are they are into agree into one, I mean, small businesses, and they are already doing well. So those of them who don't want to go back can be supported. So in the process of if these things are dissolved, what we can do is to build their capacity to be well supportive. So in terms of economics, in terms of their health care, and in terms of their general well-being, because once they have capital, they have resources. When they are not well, they will go to the hospitals. When they are not well, they'll go to health facility and look for something. But some of their challenges have always been that even when I'm not well, I have no money. Even though a good number of them in Ghana will operate their health insurance system. A good number of them are active health insurance users. But sometimes the facilities are at a distance and they may need even transport to arrive there. So when they are dissolved, I think there can be some level of capacity building for the women, some level of support so that they can be sustaining. So income generating activities to sustain themselves. And uh, that's what I can say if this ever, if ever happens in the foreseeable future. You mentioned that you're hoping to work with other organizations that deal with women's issues. When violence against women is considered in Ghana, is witchcraft-based violence part of that conversation? Are these other groups already talking about the witchcraft allegations or have they yet to get involved in that? I'm yet to get deeper conversations with them. Yes, I, I have just seen an article about them. I really didn't have so much information. If there is a women, I'll go onto the website and try to get more information. But if there's a way we can connect, you are able to connect us too. We can work greatly together towards supporting. Because some other people may have what I call the logistical support. We have a technical support, psychologists. But if we are not able to carry them there, they may not do this particular great service to our women. So I'm looking for that partnership. There is uh, this other organization called Samtaba. Uh, and Samtaba is uh, a women's rights organization. And they have often uh, engaged us very much when it comes to the issues of alleged witches. And they have, they were those that engaged me to work with. We're also trying to talk to the health workers within the district that these camps are found because a lot of them do receive them at the hospital level and what support they can give them. So I've often served as a consultant for them in the area of uh, helping the health workers. But now going to the women, they were not part of it. And we are hoping that we can be able to draw them into the system. We're also trying to talk to the district assembly, talk to the municipal assemblies and the administrative district to see we have something we call the district assembly common fund. An aspect of it is supposed to be spent on the less vulnerable in society. How can these four districts make this a little token towards supporting mental health services of these women? It's a conversation, I think, we can begin to initiate. Based on your experience with the women, do you know what kinds of things they're accused of actually doing with witchcraft? What does witchcraft belief look like in Ghana? 
Thank you very much. Uh, yes, uh, engaging and talking to a number of the women, what has brought them to the camps have been the fact that a brother signed, woke up and said he saw me in his dream. And having seen me in his dream, I'm the one trying to staple his progress in life. And that is the level of accusation. One of the very elderly women told me, and Ghana is a very communal community where I must admit we love each other and we share a lot of things. And this woman, all that she told me, that what brought her to the camp was the fact that as an old lady, that's how she called herself. I was eating food and this small boy was around my environment. And you can see the boy was looking angry. I basically served the boy food. And this was my crime. Accused of witchcraft. And so they have to banish me to come to that community. And when they banish them, what they say is that they go there to perform a sacrifice. And when you go there to perform the sacrifice and you don't return, it means all the accusation is true. And some of them go there and they realize that even before I left the community, they were following me with cutlasses with clubs as if I am a chief. And when they get in there and the chief of the community receive them, give them accommodation, give them the comfort that they need, some of them may not go back. And so they conclude, yes, our allegation is true. Another woman said that her rival in the, in the Ghanaian space, we have a number of women that are married to a one man. So polygamy is, does exist in our environment. My rival who is the second wife, told my husband that he keeps seeing me in her dream. And she realizes that her business is no longer going on as I mean, it used to be. So I am the one responsible. And so the community come chasing me. And this woman find herself in the alleged witch camp. The pathetic story I heard at this place was the story of one of the women. And what was her story? Her story was that I was accused of killing my own son. How did that happen? The child went to school, got to the university, got a job, and started to visit the village, was involved in an accident, and died. And they said that it is the mother, because the mother doesn't want the child progress. And this woman's pathetic story was, if I can bear this child in my womb for nine months, nurse him for five good years to go past what we used to call childhood killer diseases, why will I hurt this child? This time that he can fetch water for me to drink. This was how painful it was for this woman. If I can take care of a child who was helpless, this is the time you can probably say, Mama, I am sending you Momo, buy a little fish, buy a little meat to cook. Why would I take such a life? These are the pathetic stories. And a number of them have been accused in ways that you just cannot imagine it. In our last activity we had, we also discovered two men, or let me say a number of men, but two of them were willing to stick to us. So we have alleged wizards at some of the camps. And basically, 
their story didn't go far from that of the women because somebody see me as standing on the way of his progress or accusation because he's my uncle and my uncle doesn't want my progress. And so my father will now put pressure and the community will put pressure and will banish this person from the community. Their stories are really pathetic. And the deep-seated pain alone is so much to bear for some of the women. And sometimes I look at see, if all the things that we do as a country, as a region, and as a district, if we could even dedicate a little resource towards the mental well-being of these women, I'm sure a lot of them can live there and still fulfill their lives. But unfortunately, the issues of mental health little talked about in our country. Because when it comes to the issues of mental health, even among the general population in Ghana, mental health literacy is very low. And so access to mental health services become very low among our people. Uh, there is a document that was created in 2014 by a lot of researchers and I mean pushed by the Mental Health Authority. Our treatment gap currently in Ghana stands at 98%. And when it comes to the issues of mental health resources, the professionals are really not available. As I speak to you now, Within the northern part of Ghana, we don't have more than 10 practicing psychologists. And the northern part of Ghana is put all together, it's almost close to 5 million population. And this population have no adequate mental health resources. Talk about psychologists. And so currently, a lot of us occasionally are under a bit of pressure because yeah. As I introduce myself, I teach at the university, provide consultancy at the Tamale Teaching Hospital. But yet, because toilet is a passion for me, I see toilet as passion I must drive to benefit my people. Because at the end of the day, toilet most of the time doesn't put food on my table. The university puts food on my table. But toilet is a passion where I want to be able to reach out to many more people. So at toilet with them, bring a lot of young ones to advocate about mental health. And that has been what we have been doing and leading us to support these women. And when it comes to the issues of maternal mental health, I mentioned that a research interest in a lot of our women, a research currently on my desk waiting a publication, a little over 60% of mothers are battling what we call postpartum depression. In my region, Around 58% are battling postpartum anxiety. How can a traumatized woman be able to raise a very successful young man? So I keep telling people when I'm, I go to seminars, if we want a very healthy society, our women, our mothers, our aunties, whatever we want to call them, our grandmothers, must be in the best of health. And that health must be in the dual form, mental health and physical health. Unfortunately, mental health is underplayed in my country and in my region. A reason why some of us are very passionate about this conversation that we have. Thank you for this conversation. 
I'm so glad that you're doing what you do because these women, they're as important as anybody else. And they deserve their dignity and comfort. We've learned a little bit from some of the other advocacy work that there needs to be this focus on the youth. And I'm hearing that element in your work, the mental health supports into the youth, how that can trickle up into the community as they grow. That is a positive support for the future. How do you get to the point where banishment isn't an answer? I was thinking about how the banishment really is this point at which it's a solution, but it's also a problem. It's starting a problem. When you look at the banishment as currently having in our situation, this happens and those women banished from the community they leave all their livelihood. They leave all their connection. They leave all their relationship. And they leave everything they have ever lived to a land that they, know, they don't know anything about, but just because that land is accommodative. And so the issues of mental health play a role in this banishment. Because at the end of the day, if you think somebody else has a challenge, have you listened to this person? Have you engaged this person? Because in most of the banishment situation, they never, nobody ever listened to this. There's never a listening ear. What they call a listening ear, where the problem is send you to a particular group of people who have already made up their mind in a way. So they, are, they just send you there for, okay, we have sent you to this place to verify. But they already know what they want. If they... Conversation around mental health can be enhanced. What we do have is that a lot of people will look at this with some other perspective. What other way could we have without banishing this woman? Without asking this woman to leave her business in that village, to move to a village she knows nobody and she has no connection. That conversation can start. And uh, maybe a reason why when we started our organization. The idea was to see how we can engage the youth. And our reason for engaging the youth was to say that catch them young and they will understand mental health and will use mental health services even in their own age. So if they start understanding mental health now, they will build what I call resilience. They will build what I call self-esteem. They will build assertiveness skills. So they will be able to make conversations to fight for people within the community. Sometimes some of the women just need somebody to say that, please, I will challenge you. And the problem will drop that whole accusation. But there's nobody to challenge. And this old women virtually are left to their seat. Two years ago, I met a woman who told me a story. She works in our national capital. A very responsible woman, but her mother stays in the village in the northern part of her. And the children are well-to-do. A community member allegedly accused the woman. And within 24 hours, six children of this woman arrived in the village. The best of cars that the village has never seen. 
kept in the best of dresses the make possible have never seen. And that whole conversation died. So this is what it means for our women. Some of them just go through some of these things just because there's nobody to fight for. And so if the youth of today are educated about mental health and they are ready to assertively speak for people who are accused wrongly, I'm sure we can go somewhere. We will get away towards fighting and minimizing this banishment from our communities. And that's why our activities as an organization have taken the youth dimension where we want the young ones to lead. So we have a basic school mental health advocate. We have secondary senior high school mental health advocate. And we have tertiary mental health advocate where we want the youth to lead the advocacy. Youth leading change in the environment so that they themselves can learn about mental health, educate and provide the resilience that they need. Because I keep saying that in the area of our lives, I have come to realize that in my little study in the area of psychology, I have come to develop a statement that I say that we are what we think. And this is premised from a Pictati quote of, it is not what happens to you, but how you act to it. A Pictati is the great philosopher. So I've come to believe that what we think as a community, what we think as a people is what we live with. Because we come to think that once I don't make progress in life, somebody's behind that, my challenge. Somebody has not studied, somebody has not invested in his youthfulness. And he thinks the old lady in the village is the reason why he's not in the best of motorbike, he's not using the best of cars, he's not in the best of building. But that is just because of the way the person is thinking. If we can engage our youth to begin to look at the way they think, that will have a great influence in the behavior that they will exhibit in their old age and all of them. So the reason why we, the youth have become a focus and we think that if we can do this and do this very much, I'm sure our next generation will be better in terms of mental health access and service provision. Let me divert a little bit to the area of women. The reason why we have also diverted to women as a focus. A traumatized woman, battered woman, and a woman that is battling one challenge or the other cannot raise the best leader of the world. How can that woman raise a child who has been accused of witchcraft? That woman is in pain. That woman is traumatized. And she cannot be in the best frame of mind to raise an adult who will become that responsible in society. So we need to support our women. And that is an area where we have, we talk because the research in that area is quite scanty. And the work we have done, we have a number of data just waiting to publish this and let the people understand that we need to support women and the youth if we want better society. Are there ways that we and our listeners can support your efforts? We have often called for support from the international community. And I must admit, we have been operating for the past seven, eight years. We really don't have any funding. We don't have any donor. And we don't have anybody who comes to say, at the beginning of the year, what are your plans? Take this and begin 
to implement in the area of youth mental health or adolescent mental health and in the area of maternal mental health. No, but we just do this out of passion. The invitation from you has been my fuel or my source of motivation because I keep telling people if goodwill was filling bank accounts, I'm sure I could compete with Bill Gates and his compatriots because people tell me what you do is good, but that doesn't translate to money in my bank account. It doesn't translate to fuel in the vehicles that we use as an organization. But can we stop? Somebody must be ready to take this somewhere. So in the area of funding, I must admit, we have been challenged and we will more open and more ready to collaborate with international organization, local organization, even individuals who are passionate about the issues of alleged which and want to support. We are more ready to collaborate with them, especially to send our psychologists to these women every quarter or even every month. I cannot find that now. So we can only call for support from the international community. But even before the international community comes, I want to charge even my own people, the local community, our chiefs, our government functionaries, and the CSOs in Ghana to see this as a priority, to see this as a need. Because if a section of our population are suffering, we cannot claim to complete. For us, I will say if there are any international organizations that want to partner with us to make mental health services readily available for these women, the immediate community, the health workers within this community, I must admit, we are, we will be grateful to collaborate and to assure you that your funds that you are donating, your funds that you are pushing through TOLEC will really reach these women in ways that will change their lives because we will build their capacity. We will resource them and they may not need to continue depending on the occasional support that people come in. People just come and they are coming with a hamper of rice. How long will this woman take with this? Sustaining income, income where they can depend on. So we are more open and we are ready and very willing to collaborate with international organizations, to provide therapy, to provide infrastructure, to provide shelter, and to provide clothing and food for these women, because these are the areas of need. And now for Minute with Mary. It was an honor to meet with advocates and gender-based violence in India, Nailish Singh. Nailish and his team help women who are wrongfully accused of practicing sorcery heal both physically and emotionally so they can find their voice and pay it forward. Education is key for the women who learn their legal rights for their unique circumstances. To heal the hearts of these wounded survivors, Nailish and his team offer counseling, music, and art therapy. The art therapy will start small. The survivors will expand their art until they feel comfortable to create street art on walls donated by various law enforcement agencies. In other cases, women will be encouraged to write and direct their own street plays, telling the public of their stories to create awareness and education. Stay tuned for an upcoming episode on this podcast 
We will hear more details as to how Neil's team empower by helping the survivors gain confidence and find their inner strength so they can be heard. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. And here's Sir with End Witch Hunts News. End Witch Hunts, a nonprofit 501c3 organization, weekly news update. As we step into Women's History Month starting Friday, March 1st, with International Women's Day on March 8th, embracing the theme, Inspire Inclusion, I prompt you to reflect on the embodiment of the international woman. Who does she remind you of? A figure of historical significance or perhaps someone enduring the trials of today's world? When pondering the enduring persecution and marginalization faced by women throughout history, your thoughts may gravitate towards the women in Northern and Northeast Ghana, relegated to witch camps due to accusations of witchcraft. These camps, a stark reality for many, symbolize not just the psychological and quality of life detriments stemming from such accusations, but also connect us to a broader narrative that spans centuries and continents. The prevalence of depression, influenced by factors like gender, marital status, and the absence of biological children among these women in witch camps, coupled with their almost universally low quality of life, underscores the critical mental health and well-being issues they face. These women, living on the fringes of society, are the modern-day echoes of the ancestors who faced execution in historical witch trials, embodying the perennial outcasts, the feared witch within their communities. As International Women's Day urges us to inspire inclusion, let's remember that the International Woman of History is also the woman in a Ghanaian witch camp today. She is the mother, sister, and daughter ensnared in these circumstances, but She's also the advocate fighting for those trapped in the shadows of vulnerability. In the coming weeks, we invite you to join us in a conversation about women around the world who endure persecution and exclusion, branded as outcasts and feared as witches in their communities. This Women's History Month, we are called upon to partake in the collective action to impact history for women everywhere. How are you contributing to this chorus of voices, both past and present, forging a future where dialogue is not just powerful, but transformative, evolving into actions that construct a true realm of justice. Together, we can shift narratives and foster a world where inclusivity reigns supreme, honoring those who have suffered and paving the way for a future where no woman stands alone in the face of injustice. Thank you, Sarah. You're welcome. And thank you for listening to Witch Hunt. Join us next week. Subscribe wherever you're listening. Visit us at witchhuntshow.com. And remember to tell your friends, families, acquaintances, neighbors, and anybody you meet about Witch Hunt. Support our efforts to end witch hunts. Visit endwitchhunts.org to learn more. Have a great today and a beautiful tomorrow. Tomorrow.